You're listening to episode 135 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Guys, I'm feeling really inspired today by the finale of the TV show that hit game, uh, the hit show Game of Thrones. Don't know if you heard about it. I just heard about it uh, where everyone was angry about it and launched a petition. So I launched a petition too, to and I got eighty thousand signatures on it, and it's to make the Comics Pals talk more about comic books. Damn. There, you think there are 80,000 people that even read comic books that'll sign a petition? Do you think there's 80,000 people who can read? I think there are 80,000 people to sign a petition that read comics if the petition is to revert uh, Thor away from Lady Thor. That's true. That's true. Or to make Captain America white again. Yeah. Yeah. So, right, so unless you can unite us under a banner of hate, I don't know that you're going to get 80,000 signatures. I, I got the signatures. Now, maybe most of them are forged? Mm, I don't know. That, that mm, you know, that's a little hairy, but I cut, got 80,000 signatures. Cut to Phil a week ago just setting up, like, 70,000 Gmails, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Comics Pals fan one. Comics Pals fan two. <laughs> 69.1, 69.2. I've really lingered on that one. You know, the other thing that people will sign petitions for is uh, is the Snyder Cut. I actually read that they raised over $10,000 just for the ability to promote the fact that they want a Snyder Cut. That's, so they would they raise like ten thousand dollars to like run ads and stuff yeah, about it. Yeah, that's that's we, hilarious. We should get in the, the the con game. There was that guy in Florida who who was raising money to build the wall, and a lot of people donated money to it, and none of them know what happened to it because he took it for himself. Because how so you're would that work? We should become snake oil salesmen. Yes, and that's okay. where Sean does his plugs. <laughs> to be honest when you were saying that i was zoning out because i was like wait that's actually a good idea like we could make (laughs) we could fund our whole operation duping people who want a wall like we could be oh yeah we're down with that yeah i've got a wall i've got four walls yo we have we we shot like Sean's the one running the account too, and it's like a bunch of like racist white people giving him money for like some racist cause, and they're too lazy to click through and look. I want to erect walls in our studio, so we're yeah we're erecting <laughs> we're walls. We're like, yeah. We want to build lots of walls. Yeah, what? I love Several. walls. We're trying I, to build a walls. building. <laughs> Wait, we ain't building no building. We're, we're building. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we get enough. Yeah. Like. <laughs> All we gotta do is find one, one job, one good job, Sean, and then we're out of the game. We and could have we'll- a whole compound for the amount of money that they that they donate to the wall. We could have the Avengers compound from Endgame. <laughs> a compound? What the fuck are we gonna do with the compound? Listen, bro, the Comics Pals compound. I'm with that. Who are we going to lock in there? Because we got to lock her up. Matt Murphy. <laughs> lock her up. <laughs> he, he might be really into that. That's true. Yeah, I mean, he would he would voluntarily allow us to do that, I think. Well, he would pretend to fight. So, yeah. let me uh, let me get the plugs out of the way, because I want to continue the rest. 
<laughs> yes, I'm I'm well known for my con artistry. <laughs> Head um, over to uh, GoFundMe slash Build a Wall. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Bartley is trying to build walls. <laughs> That's the CBR article. <laughs> Seven reasons why you should fund Sean Bartley building the wall, and four why you shouldn't. Uh, oh my god! So, but it's not a comic skate thing unless you're going to give money to it. And then we'll talk about right. it. Build a gate. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people are interested in building walls. We're just trying to build a gate. You know? Yeah. It's border fencing. <laughs> it's about ethics in comic books. That's right. It's the ethics uh, of fences. <laughs> so, if this is your brand of humor... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. There are plenty of places that you can find us all over the internet. We're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Apple Podcasts. All the places where you can grab podcasts, we're probably there. And if we're not, let us know Can because we, we can yell at Marco, who's not here. Which uh, means that after I'm done talking about this... We're going to shit on Marco. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Fuck, is Marco stuck on the other side of the wall, you guys? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, shit, wait, I didn't mean that to come off like that. <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know what? I think that even Marco would get offended by that. That was crazy. <laughs> That's not how I meant it. See, it's not because he's Spanish. It's because he's not here. <laughs> Ooh, you can't get oh. in the compound. Damn, oh, man. Pete, oh, Pete's making detention center jokes. This is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is our heel turn. Uh, so no, our Fuck. heel turn. I didn't say anything. I love how silent you got too. That's hilarious. Kills, kills. Like I'm gonna wait, distance can, myself. Wait, can from we do this what we do when Kale says something he regrets and just cut it out? Or nope. I want it in. Kale, Kale only does that when Kale says something and Kale's editing the show. So sorry, you're out of luck, pal. <laughs> if so, anything, that's going at the beginning and the end of the show now. <laughs> it's going to be two hours of the same joke. You guys remember that uh, that like that one clip we had? <laughs> remember that oh, clip? Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, Phil. Oh, my God. Phil's a fucking white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. I don't know if we ever I, we used it. I don't think we have, but Marco slapped a really dope uh, beat, uh, <laughs> like uh, beat to beat it. Yeah. it. <laughs> Dumpstep, yeah. So, just real quick, uh, if you want to write to us, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on social media at thecomicspals and, uh, you know, just help us out. Spread the word. Let us know what you think about the show, what you think about us. Uh, what do you think about Phil being a white supremacist? No! <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, all those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Now, we mentioned Matt Murphy, and I wanted to jump back to that because the Longbox are actually promoting a Dark Phoenix um, special screening, screening that they got yeah. access to. And I'm going... Uh, Pete, you said you I'm, might I'm go. I'm gonna try to come, yeah, because I mean it's on a Wednesday night, so I'm gonna have to go to work the next day. But I'm gonna see if I can swing it. And Marco's probably gonna go. 
a bunch of our friends, our mutual friends are all going to be there. So if you want to be there, uh, you can probably catch the long box on their uh, social medias at the long box podcast. And I'm sure they have a link there. So uh, if you're in the New York area and you want to hang out with us, that's a great way to do it. Uh, you know, come hang out, support the boys and uh, we'll have a good time. We're probably going to get, you know, beers or something after. So it'll be a good time. Uh, I'll probably be late. Uh, I might swing in after the trailers, you know, creep in. Just I don't want to disturb anybody, you know, during the movie. Um, and then I, I, I've read that there's not a, a secret after the credit scene, so I'll probably pop out, you know, just before the movie ends. So, you know, that's how it goes. Fair enough. I won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> I, Phil, I, just come with me. We'll make a road trip out of it. No. <laughs> I did want to say this though. Uh, I think that I think Thanos was right, guys. I think that Thanos was right about balance, and I'll tell you why. So this year, we've had Avengers Endgame, which is maybe the highlight of my viewing of comic book films, right? Mm. And because it was such a high, I'm getting double served shit. This year, yeah, yeah, because not only is Dark Phoenix going to be bad, you have to watch it with the long box. Damn, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't set that up. Uh, <laughs> not only is it going to be bad, but Terminator Dark Fate is also going to be bad, and everyone knows Terminator is my favorite. They're movie. making Terminator another Terminator too. movie this year. Yeah, no, it's like a show or something. No, it's a movie. Terminator it's Dark getting, Fate. It's getting oh, positive. No. It's getting positive buzz. The trailer just came out. The trailer was bad. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm sad. I've, I've never seen a Terminator movie. That's Leave. fucked up. Leave now. Um, and I have no intention of uh, starting with number what fucking six. Just watch like, the just to watch the first two like a normal human being. Listen, Philp, I have things to do. Why, uh, what like, do you got not, going on? We have, like, what? We're, I'm doing, like, 15 podcasts that nobody listens to. I'm doing two. <laughs> and only one of them no one listens to. Ooh, and it's this which one. one? <laughs> <laughs> you right, you right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, color me, uh, color me depressed. Hopefully... I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen... There is a silver lining. Game of Thrones did just end, and that's sad. But I'll be able to see Sophie Turner on screen one last time before I never see anything she's in again. So <laughs> is I she do... dying? No, but um, I'll never see anything me. she's in again. So at least there is that. And, uh, yeah, I get to see Phoenix on screen. But uh, let's, let's, she... let's, what's, what's up? I hope she dabs in the movie. <laughs> She's not going to dab, her but, dabbing is uh, my favorite fucking thing. Pete, you, have said, you seen that? What? Have you seen the gif he's talking about? Yes. I heard the basketball yes, game. Yes, I have. I hope oh, that's oh, the oh, after oh, credit oh, scene oh. of the movie. You- yeah, that would it's be just dope Phoenix as hell. just like, woo! Yeah, that would be a great way to cap off the X-Men films at Fox. You mentioned, you asked me if, if Sophie Turner is dying, and that's not totally wrong, because she's definitely dying in Dark Phoenix, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But let's do some pals polls. Let's jump into it. Hold on. Oh, I. What's up? Have a question. What kind? What? What? 
Would you say it's a random no, question? Sir, hold on, shut up. Uh, week? Smaller. Smaller. <laughs> Is it a random question of the week? Mm, smaller. <laughs> yes. That's okay. It's that size. Sean. Yeah. A few weeks ago, we talked about Marvel number 1000. Mm. And I had mentioned that I'm very cynical about this because CB Sabolsky a few days before this announcement had said he would that there was going to be an announcement made about a book that would sell a million copies. Uh-huh. You said that Marvel 1000 was not it. Okay. Okay. Do you uh, Excuse me, Phil. Do you mind? Uh huh. This is an this is an A to B conversation. Oh, okay. Could you X Men your way out of it, please? All right. <laughs> Dabbing my way out audibly. Dab. Do you think the announcement is Hickman's return to the X Men? No, because C. B. Sabolsky said he had and he had an idea for it, and I interpret that to mean that it's something that's not. At least at the time that he said that, that wasn't in production. And mm. so Hickman's stuff is already in production and Marvel 1000 yeah. was already in production. So that's my interpretation. It doesn't mean I'm right, but that's my answer to that. Okay. Hmm. I, I don't agree. All right. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it's one of the two. I think if it was, uh, he might have said that. Yeah. I would think so too. Well, he he said he he said that the announcement would come in a in a few days, and that lines up real like it lines up with the X Men announcement a little bit better than the Marvel One Thousand, but I could still kind of put my bet on the One Thousand if I wanted to, for all that money that's being taken for you know the bets. Anybody want to put money on this? I don't. I don't have any. Oh, okay. Well, that solves it. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it, like it could be Marvel One Thousand, but again, I feel like he would have said it if it was. Uh, it, it's just a little. It's a little weird that he would even say that. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's. It was definitely a a weird thing for him to say in the first place, but he said more yeah. than he. So what he actually said was. The last comic to sell a million copies was Star Wars 1, which was almost five years ago. I feel it's about time we publish another title that sells over seven figures, and I think I have an idea. Good guesses, folks. This is a reply to, you know, the thread. Good guesses, folks, but it's not a Star Wars relaunch for a story firmly set in the Marvel Universe. More hints next week. So he didn't say the answer would be next week. He said hints next week, and I think that... It's possible that what he's talking about spins out of Marvel One Thousand. That yeah, would be that's a, a good a proper point. guess. Do you think? Do you think it could be something as drastic as like a, like a crisis style event where we're really gonna like have a a hard reboot? Because I feel like that would be the easiest way to get a lot of sales. Not with not with Hickman just just picking it up and and starting a huge X Men thing. I think that Hickman's X Men run. Not the House of X, Powers of X uh, books that come out in July, but the actual, because he's going to run the flagship title, I think that number one is going to be a massive, massive hit. But I don't think it's a million dollar or a million copy sold idea necessarily. 
I guess it could be. I mean, the X-Men are a hugely popular property, but I don't know. Not really. Not as such really anymore. I would argue that that has more to do with A, the fact that they've been stagnant, but B, the fact that everyone knows why they were stagnant. Yeah. And I, totally and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with that, but I, I don't think what they're doing is going to be what brings it to that level. This is, this is just anecdotal, but I, I think the reason that I'm starting to feel this way about it is I had, um, uh, a, f- a friend of mine who I work with is a, it's a guy named Paul and um, hi Paul he like shout out to Paul. hi Paul he listens to the show sometimes actually so um, hey Paul and he's not he's not a big comic like reader you know um, and he reached out to me and was like have you heard about you know Hickman I know I'm sure you did Hickman's X Men run and everything and he's like excited to jump on because he loves the X Men but you know has like never had a good opportunity to jump on this is like a great jumping on point and they're advertising it well enough that obviously people like him who are like kind of on the bubble you know like are aware of it and are like well i don't i know hickman's a great writer even if i've never read his stuff you know um so it's like i i don't know i don't necessarily think it's a million copy book but if it was a million copy book i don't know that i don't know that that would um be like a huge shock to me because like the the brand definitely resonates with people i think it's just been messed up for a while but i think people are interested in again in it again because of this relaunch and because marvel has the rights back now and we're starting to see the x-men in everything again you know like they're going to be in uh, ultimate alliance and like you know seemingly all the video games that come out moving forward even though they've been absent for like five years and i don't know well no they asked- also go ahead no one asked my opinion, but I know what the answer to Kale's question is, but it's okay. Oh, well, what's the answer? Well, I'm glad you asked, Sean. Oh, boy. Marvel is teaming up with Nintendo and making a Super Smash Brothers comic where in every issue they're going to announce the new DLC characters leading off with Master Chief, which is going to sell a million copies. I would believe that. I could easily believe that that would sell a million copies. Yeah. Instantly. That would instantly sell a million pre-orders. Mario in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Let's go! Does Marvel have the rights to Halo? No. And Master Chief? Because Bendis and Maliv did that comic, didn't they? They did, but that was a long time ago. I I feel like there have been Halo books released since then through other other publishers okay. but I, I could be wrong about that i'm not I'm i think not, you're uh, right sean i can't place my finger on who it is but i feel like one of the smaller publishers that does like a lot more like the, the licensed books and stuff i yeah. think like somebody has done a fairly recent halo comic um, weird weird fact uh we brought up marvel comics 1000 and the cover actually had to be redone a little bit because the so the cover is like a like uh, I guess a collage is the right way, word for it. Yeah, of, yeah. Like several different images. One of the images they discovered was actually from a DC comic. Mm. It was, <laughs> it was from Earth X two, and it was um, yeah. it was Alan, Alan Scott, Scott and his and his boyfriend, boyfriend yeah, kissing. Yeah. Uh, and some fan figured it out, so they had to take it out. <laughs> Super some, random. Yeah, some fan tweeted about it and was just like. Yeah, like, there's two dudes kissing in the collage, and, like, that's cool, but it's from a DC book. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and Nicola Scott was like, wait, I drew that. Where's my check at? Yeah. yeah I, saw, I saw that. 
Crazy. I was like, oh, Stupid. shit. Stupid right. shit. Let's let's get into the uh, palace polls here. So from Kale, we actually have Broken Bear. So tell us what that is. So I was lucky enough to get my hands on a copy of uh, the graphic novel Broken Bear. It's going to be uh, put out by uh, Caliber Comics. Uh, it's written by Frankie White and uh, uh, drawn by Adam Markowitz and with colors by A.H.G. I don't know. I don't, I don't know any more than that for the yeah the colors the colors name but um holy crap this book is legit you shared some pages of it on our social media and it looks really cool it's yeah it's great the the art the art style it's got a very um john ramita jr feel to it i i think uh but better okay Ooh. um better. like 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 the clothes actually look like clothes and they're not just like <laughs> drapey sweaters that you know he just kind of frumped on the characters <laughs> so the the concept of the book is about this uh this knight looking warrior who's i guess his whole gimmick is that he's got a, hel- a helmet like a bear and this helmet is the coolest design i think it is just so cool um it anyway i i can't talk about the uh, the premise of the book too much more uh, without spoiling everything because you get six pages into this thing and as soon as you have your feet on the ground they're completely taken from you it's incredible yeah you're you're real horned up about it i love it dude um for me i'm not super into fantasy or like the uh, the swords and sorcery genre uh but this is up there with uh headlopper for me like i am pumped wow. about this book it just it looks beautiful. Um, just just seeing the it was actually on your Twitter where you originally put it out. I think I retweeted it from the Comics Pals account, but um, <laughs> I was just so drawn in by the art. I was like, this looks just incredible. Frankie White is going to be at uh, Comic Con Revolution in Chicago on uh, I think next weekend, June first and second, and uh, he said he would have a couple of copies there, and then. After that, it's going to be released in comic shops and on Comixology later in the year. So pay attention to this book if you're uh, jonesing for some Game of Thrones, Rat Queens, Headlopper, uh, Conan-style action, because this is the book for you. Very cool, man. I actually want to check that out. We should read it for the show. Yeah. We never like do uh, indie book reviews. Let's do one. Yeah, if, uh, if we can get one. I, mean, I guess not. Never. We did do Fearscape for ten issues, but <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we could talk to him about doing uh, a book club and getting us all uh, a copy of the book. Nice. That would be awesome. Yeah, we should reach out. I, w- I would love to. I'd love to check it out. Cool. Give it a little uh, publicity. A little publis. Uh So <laughs> <laughs> I chose Batman last night on Earth. This is. Uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's last Batman story ever. Mm. Uh, you know, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the premise is is that literally it's the last Batman story. This is, you know, his swan song a la, you know, Daredevil End of Days or Spider-Man Rest Spider-Man in Peace. Rain. Or Rain, rather, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man Rest in Peace. So... Um, <laughs> It's it's just that, and we've talked about it on the show before. This has actually been long gestating, um, and this is where like Batman's running around with Joker's head in a vat, 
and he's, you know, solving his last crime or whatever. So uh, it's probably going to be pretty good. I mean, if you were a fan of their Batman run, I know that there are lots of people who weren't as into it. I was one of the people who really loved it. So this is up my alley. And uh, I think they're a great creative team. So I can't wait for it. Sounds twisted. <laughs> okay. It, it sounds metal. It does. It does sound fucking metal. I'll give it that. Batman carrying around a head in a case or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, sounds wicked. Is you gonna you gonna keep this bit going or what? This shit's like a, like a Guns and Roses song. This shit's hard. Well, the other cool thing about this is that it's actually an, uh, another Black Label book. It's the second one we're oh. getting. And it's going to be um, bi-monthly. And it's going to be three issues. But they're obviously in the prestige format. So there's you know more pages and, and uh, it's bigger paper and things like that. So Now, the, the Black Label means we're going to get to see Joker's dick in this one, right? <laughs> I mean, we can only hope. That was, well, that, was, that was good. He only has a head, so that's going to be a tough trick. Here's my uh, question, though. I mean, they could tough. they could show where Batman cut his head off and have his body there, you know, afterwards. But do you think the carpet matches the drapes, Kale? It's gotta, right? I mean, his whole body went into that that vat of acid, right? So this you is a think this is a whole book about Batman getting head. Is that what I'm hearing? All right. Oh, so God. the other book. Nice. Nice. What is this? The long box? This is our crassest episode ever. <laughs> oh, you started it. You talking about Marco can't get a, get get through the wall? I didn't start it. That the was the hell? conclusion of a conversation that you started. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. racist. Yeah, that's where the conversation has to end because after that, we're just racist. And did did Pete just say hey, that? Hold on. That's By the way, I'm, I'm 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 black. Weed. I can say I, things like that. Just want to point that did, out. Did, <laughs> guys, did Pete say there was no collusion there? That's what I just heard. Yeah, basically. But, yeah, there you go. So I don't appreciate this characterization. This is an attack on my character. <laughs> Says the master of the East, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, let's not forget your history on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, so the the three of us with taste on the show all chose Doomsday Clock number ten. Nice, uh, and of course I'm referring to Pete, Phil, and myself. Yep. Uh, very excited, uh, Phil. Talk to me, <sighs> dude. We're almost there. It's been long. We've been at this forever. It feels like it was five years ago that we were convincing Pete and Kale that this would be good. Right. I think that was five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, shit, where do we leave off? Where are we in the book right now? Um, so oh. they went to Mars. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, the whole conflict with uh, Dr. Manhattan. And Firestorm. Yep, and um, Batman realized, you know, that they, that they went into essentially a trap, and he's on his way to Mars, so. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be awesome. This is comic book shit. Yeah, it's very comic book shit. Um, yeah, I actually have. I actually feel like I need to reread the previous issue now. It's been that long. I'll be rereading the last two. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I decided I was going to do the same. Normally, I don't feel like I need to do that. Whereas, like when another book that's coming out this week that we have to read, unfortunately, Heroes in Crisis comes out, I'm always like, "Can I burn the previous issue out of my memory?" Ouch. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, Doomsday Clock is a book I feel like definitely benefits from like rereading and like making sure that you're you know exactly what threads were left. You know. Yeah, and Heroes in Christ is a book that really benefits uh, in burning your retinas. It benefits from not being read. Now, hold on. I'm sorry. You're right. The art's good, but the words burn your retinas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Very good. And I'm and really excited will... for Doomsday Clock. Time. Yeah. Absolutely, me too. And we will be here next week with a review for you guys. And uh, very excited to bring that to you as always. And hopefully you enjoy those. Go back and listen to our prior reviews. You know, we've got a history with this book. And um, uh, we're we're going to have a lot to say. Lots to dissect with that. Mm, Yes, sir. Unfortunately, jumping into the news, uh, we have to start with some really, really sad news that you know the comic book world was rocked by last week because colorist justin ponzer uh unfortunately uh passed away from cancer a two-year battle with cancer that he didn't win yeah um you know you've you've seen his you've seen his work on several different books i mean this guy uh was just an incredible talent most people know him for his Marvel stuff uh, that he was doing uh, since 2005. He he was working with Marvel, but he actually was around for a lot longer than that, and I wasn't even aware. He started at Wildstorm, yeah, uh, in in '96. You know, working with Jim Lee and and, and others, and um, uh, you know, he's done he's done so many of my favorite books. I I always felt. Like Justin Ponzer was the best colorist in the business for my money. Anyways, he worked on a lot of my favorite stuff. He worked on Infinity, which we did a book club on, and yeah. you know we all loved. And I, I I don't remember exactly, but I think we shouted out the color work uh, over there. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, uh, he's he worked on uh, Ultimate Spider Man, Ultimate X Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, um, uh, New Avengers. Uh, um, uh, so many different books that he was a part of, and 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 I, I would argue that his color work sort of defines how Marvel has looked for the last ten plus years, just because of how many books he's been involved in. Um, so many people had nice things to say about him, and that's not weird. It's not weird that people would come out and say nice things about someone who passed. That's pretty normal. But I think when you read and here are some of the things that people had to say. It's very touching, just because you can tell how genuinely loved he was by people. Um, the Marvel Twitter uh, said, Justin Ponzer was one of the most brilliant colorists in the industry, elevating every story he worked on to new heights with his heart, humor, and passion for art. The Marvel family has lost one of our own. Our hearts are with his family and loved ones. Uh, C.B. Sobolski, who is the editor-in-chief, said, As anyone who has ever met Justin Ponzer knew, he was never just a colleague or colorist or creative partner. He was family. He embraced life with the biggest of hearts, the widest of smiles, and the deepest of laughs. He made comics a better place. J. Poe's loss will be felt forever. J. Poe was the, uh, you know, term of, or name of endearment that people had for him. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, on and on, so many people... With positive things to say, I wanted to read what Sana Aminat, who's the uh, the VP of 
Marvel content and character development. What she had to say was, uh, she said, Justin Ponzer, brilliant artist and human being. He was the first colorist I worked with at Marvel and the first creator who made me feel welcome and like a friend. So heartbroken we have lost him. Thank you for making the world more beautiful with your art and your heart. Jay Ponzer, we miss you. Yeah, you legit hate to see it. Um, there's especially for somebody so young. Yeah, you know he, he was only what forty six. He was born. He was born in seventy seven, so he was forty two. That's, that's a tragedy. Um, no, you, I mean this is the stuff you hate to see in everyday life. Uh, clearly, this guy, uh, he made an impact on so many people's lives. Uh, and when you work in an industry like comic books, which is such a kind of tight community of people uh it's a wide ripple effect and um i mean i know from from my from my perspective i've been reading stuff with his color since i was like 10 years old so uh really hate to see it it sucks i yeah i think what sucks the most is that he he was only just getting around to getting the recognition he really deserved you know and that that goes across the board with colorists across the industry but you know, with someone who has defined the colors of, you know, a generation of comic book fans, um, you know, he he uh, deserved it a lot earlier. One of the best looking books, I and I, I, I said this weeks ago of all time. We were talking about David Marquez. One of the one of the best looking books of all time is Civil War Two, and when you look at those pages, Justin Ponzer is making that book. I mean, you know, David Marquez is fantastic too, but you look at what Justin Ponzer was doing on those pages, it's unbelievable how beautiful that book is. And he'll be remembered for that. You know, unfortunately, we didn't have the opportunity to meet the man, to know him personally, to know what a beautiful person he was, but we did get to experience that through his art. And that's his way into our hearts. That's his way of, of reaching out into the world. And, you know, he succeeded in that. We received it and we loved it. And so thank you, Justin. Yeah. You guys want to, you guys want to lighten the mood? You want to have a little fun? Um, yeah. No, I don't like fun. All right. Well, we know you for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's weird. I had to look around a second. I thought I said that. <laughs> <laughs> so, eventually, Marvel's going to have to get around to casting the X-Men. And I thought that we could do a little bit of, of, of casting here mm. and talk about who could play Wolverine. But the catch is that I want wrong answers only. Okay. Mm. <laughs> is that where we all get to say Robert Pattinson? Ha, ha, ha. Um, no, because I no, think that, that that might actually be, you know. I I got mine. Okay. Angela mine Lansbury. Oh Yo, I have God. no idea who that is. Lansbury? What? Uh, murder, she wrote. Oh, yo. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, you feel that's me. That's what you, you got, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I have to look up my answer. Maisie Williams. Yo, wait, X-23. <laughs> yes, that actually works. Fuck. I, you guys have you given two good answers. You, 
You said Wolverine. Yeah, I don't think that should count. Well, hey, X-23 became Wolverine in the books. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Mm. I don't think that should count. Okay. Oh, right. as a, uh, Phil's answer is too good. Damn, yeah, sorry. Okay. My bad. I goofed. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no. So I was going to say I was gonna say Carrot Top as kind of like an outside answer, but he's oh, too yeah, tall. No. He's 5'10". Yeah, but he's fucking ripped now. Hugh Jackman's I mean, like That's what I mean. Three. He's ripped. He'd be that's that'd be great. He's fucking shredded. We're doing wrong <laughs> answers only. Carrot Top has red hair. That's a wrong yeah. answer. That's perfect. Yeah, so it's a it's a good wrong yeah. answer. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess you're right. He is too tall. That works. Yeah. yeah. Joe so Carrot Top. Let's do it. Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Who else? Who else could use like a dramatic turn? Like you know, who needs their chance to play like a fuzzy Canadian lumberjack? What am I a fucking joke here? Seth Rogen. Andy. Andy Dick. Oh, oh my that. god. Fuck that. No. Kale wins. Horrible. Yo, get my man Howard Stern in there. I want to see that. <laughs> Howard Stern is Professor X. <laughs> He's starting his acting career late. Wait, he had a movie, Private Parts, came out at night. Oh, night yeah, night. no, you're right. Shit, yeah. I forgot about that. What about me? What if I play Wolverine? Who's that? That's Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld, man. Oh, oh my God. So What's the deal with mutant <laughs> rights? What's the... <laughs> I mean, we're born by people. We look like people. We're people. <laughs> We all just want to go to the diner, just like you. <laughs> just because I have titanium. What was that? <laughs> I was gonna say titanium cause, and I was just like, <laughs> just take my fucking card. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I would have. I wouldn't even said that. I, well, I probably would have. I wouldn't have wanted to. So these bloodthirsty ninjas are making me thirsty. <laughs> wait, 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 Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Oh, good one. Good oh, one. No. Wait, 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 wait. All right, John Goodman. Well, uh, I'd watch it. Gilbert Godfrey, that might be the funniest movie of all time. <laughs> what do he you imagine- see in Cyclops over me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best at what I do. <laughs> and... And that's been and very can- annoying. <laughs> Affleck. <laughs> so the reason this all came up is because there is currently a petition that has been signed by thousands of people to have Danny DeVito play the rebooted Wolverine in the MCU. And their explanation of the proposition is the only man able to take the throne after Hugh Jackman. We believe (laughs) that if Wolverine is to make an appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that the only man able to play it off or pull it off is Danny DeVito. Now, we're definitely going to see this referenced in the next Deadpool movie, right? I hope so. We can all agree on that. It hurt me, Kale. A couple good reasons. This is from the change.org petition. A couple good reasons as to why I believe so strongly that he suits the character. Danny DeVito's height is a lot closer to the comic book <laughs> portrayal of Wolverine. With Danny being four foot ten and Wolverine being five foot three. 
Secondly, we all saw Danny's portrayal of the trash man. So we know <laughs> we know he is fully capable of fighting and that he is not afraid when things get dirty. I come with you. I come for blood. No law, no code of conduct. It's an actual I looked up a list of Wolverine quotes. I urge you all to go and find this change.org petition because we'll have a link to it because that image that they're using is unbelievably funny and kind of convincing. <laughs> Sean, you're on board? No. <laughs> <laughs> but Correct it's me if I'm wrong, but if if these petitions get a certain amount of signatures, doesn't the president have to look at them or is that that's or is that whitehouse.gov or so, something? Oh, it's, yeah, oh, not change.org. <laughs> oh, okay. Could you imagine? Like, Trump is going to look at this, and even as much of an idiot as Trump is, like he's going to look at this and go, I don't understand what I'm looking at. <laughs> That's because he is an idiot. Vito. I thought you were going to say as much of an idiot as he is, he would understand the brilliance. <laughs> he would recognize the brilliance. <laughs> and sign off. That man would know brilliance if it bit him in the face. If you all want to see, Danny DeVito could bite him in the face because I'd like to watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that. If you all want to <laughs> see me play the Wolverine, go sign a petition, and I'll show you how I snicked my claws. I feel like Danny DeVito is going to respond to this the same way he did to the Detective Pikachu uh, petition, where he's going to be like, "What's a Wolverine?" Only that'll be a way, way, way more dumb sentence. Like, it's an animal, Danny. (laughs) You want me to play a rabid animal? Now that I can do. What would, uh, okay, so what if Danny DeVito walked in and, you know, he had to do a read. But what if he applied the Canadian Wolverine to his Wolverine? What would that sound like? Oh, yeah, they all come from me to, for inspiration, eh? I'm trying to channel my inner Canadian. What would I say as you? Oh, you gotta get your Molson to play some hockey, eh? Okay, I'm gonna become Canadian now. You gotta immerse, your, immerse yourself in the culture. I've gotta immerse myself in the culture. I've been watching a lot of curling, and now I'm drinking natty ice. Have you even been to one Tim Hortons? I don't know what that is. There's none of them in Brooklyn or Philadelphia. So, okay, so. Danny, we need you to, you know, just give us the line. Give us the classic Wolverine line. You know, the I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do isn't pretty. Give us that. Okay, I got that. As a Canadian. Oh, I got to say as a Canadian. Oh, yeah, you got to say it with a lot of heart, eh? <laughs> Where are you thinking, Tuke? <clears throat> my, my thinking, oh my Tuke, is on. <laughs> Give it to me. I'm the best at what I do, and what it is is play ice hockey. Oh, that's close enough. Give him the party. (laughs) Put my man out of his misery. Oh, my God. Put me out of my misery. Oh, my goodness. I can't be put out of my misery because I think I'm immortal or something. 
<laughs> you know what? I'll be damned if that's probably not a Wolverine line. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're um, listening. You're listening. Oh, I did the two at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening. Right, bye, Danny. Bye, Logan. <laughs> Take care. It's, Brush your hair. It's been real. I can't, we got Danny. Oh, I can't believe we got Danny DeVito on the show. I know. It's wild. I mean, I do, you know, now Phil and I both live in Philadelphia. It wasn't that hard to find him. It's a good, you got, good get. You just got to look in the nearest dumpster. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> that's funny because uh, that's where they found me the first time. All right, get out of here, Logan. We'll see you next we've time. Had, we, we've had enough from you. Go drink a Molson's. <clears throat> All right, so Immortal Hulk has really been a massive success story. And early on, I think a lot of people realized, oh, wow, this is really good. But I don't think they realized how good it would be or how popular it would actually get. So Immortal Hulk number one is going back for its fifth printing. And that's, you know, holy hell, that's pretty impressive. But it gets a lot more impressive when you realize that the first issue of this book came out. June 6th of 2018. Wow. Oh, my yeah, God. They're, they're on, like, issue 31 now or something. Not even. They're on issue 18. Am I selling a million copies? Really? Yeah. So, I, I know because I just, I just bought it. Um, but Where did I get that number then? Whoa. That was way off. <laughs> <laughs> so, this book is absolutely phenomenal it really really is incredible it's al ewing and joe bennett and they are on fire al ewing has the hot hand right now and i say that as someone who really has not always been a fan of his work but from issue number one i i fell in love with this title and a lot of people are talking about it as a modern classic and i think it very well may be what sets it apart? Like, what makes it so good? So, a couple things. Um, it, it, it showcases the Hulk as a horror character. Yeah. And like that. that's not something that, as weird as it sounds, it's not something that's really been done before. Not, not in been, this way. Since the original run of the Hulk... Yeah, in the original run of the Hulk, it's you know, and 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 since it's a very um, Jekyll and Hyde dynamic, but in Immortal Hulk, it's it's very much like Return of the the Living Dead. You know, it's it's sort of a, a zombie story. Like um, the premise is is like Bruce Banner can't die because the Hulk won't die. Yeah, and so yeah. like he dies in like every issue. Oh man, and, the th- and then comes back in the it's next. It's like that. Really, uh, it's like that movie, um, uh, Groundhog Day. No, <laughs> it's but like that Tom scary. Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow. And the thing about it is, because I don't know if that's every single issue. I don't. I don't know if that's like that regular. But the thing about it is that it's presenting the Hulk in a way we've never seen him before because he talks and he's, you know, smart and he's cold. 
He's 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 monstrous. And you know, the Hulk is an imposing figure in general, but the way he's presented is that the monstrous part of him, the worst part of him is his mind. It's what he's willing to do. And that's, that's cool. scary. That's, that's scarier really cool. than the Hulk. Yeah. This book has been recommended to me several times at this point, and I just haven't gotten around to it because I'm a monster. I'm a monster. Just like the Hulk. That's right. And I can't die, club. and I won't die. More like Danny DeVito Wolverine. Um, I like that comparison. Thank you. <laughs> but they they can't keep this book on the shelves, and every single week I look yeah. for my polls, and there's a there's another issue being reprinted. So, um, this is more of a congratulations to Al and Joe who are doing an, an incredible job with this title. Um, keep up the great work, and I think everyone should go out and pick this up. Absolutely, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm interested in it. <clears throat> and with, sounds like a really good book with the reprint. This is a great opportunity to get that yeah, issue yeah. one because you're not going to get it otherwise. In fact, issue one, the original issue one, you can't it find it. It's, it's, it's probably already worth a shit ton of money in secondary yeah, markets. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're if you're interested in your digital reader, I know uh, Comicsology Unlimited has it um, in their selection. Um, that's how I read the first trade, and it's yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's probably what I'll do. Highly recommended. Have they done any trades of it? Like not yet. Floppies. There's, or... there's yeah. a trade coming out the, later this summer, I think. The first trade because I remember that was cool. that was how I was originally looking. Now this was, this will be like tr- number three, right? Oh no, would... you know you're right because I was looking for a yeah. hardcover. And the the because oh, okay, yeah. they did three soft covers as a hardcover or something. Yeah. Yeah. My sure. Bad. My bad. So moving on. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier miniseries because we actually have some more information than we did when we first learned about this thing. It's coming together. It's coming is together. It, is it like how, like, is the title of it, you know, WandaVision is the title of that show. So is this, you know, uh, is this one called... Uh, Winter Falcon? Winter Falcon? That's a good question. Thanks, Sean. Uh, well, the answer is no, but uh, Winter Falcon is actually just in general pretty cool sounding. It's probably like That's... Falcon Soldier. <laughs> For some reason, Winter Falcon sounds like a Transformer to me. Yes, I thought <laughs> like a like a Beast Wars Transformer. It actually yeah. sounds like a Mega Man X. Oh shit! Villain. You're so right. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought it sounded like a. But Game I feel of like Thrones instead of town. Winter Falcon, it would it would be like it would be like Blizzard Falcon or like something like that, like yeah. <laughs> Snow Falcon. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so Kari Skogland actually has been tapped to direct the entire thing. So it's going to be a six part miniseries. Uh, it's cool that they have one director doing the whole thing. I like that. Yeah. So it'll be very consistent. Uh, so she's she so she's done uh, she's done a few things. So she's done The Handmaid's Tale. She directed some episodes of uh, that. Oh, fuck. Cool. Was pretty well received. Uh she yeah. directed um the pilot of Nosferatu over on AMC. Huh. Um okay. Uh, she direct she directed a, a oh, few oh, things. Oh, oh. Sorry? That's that um uh that uh Joe Hill book um that Yeah. Uh, I think it's got to do with firefighters. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure. All right. 
Nosferatu is typically associated with uh, das vampires. Vampires, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm looking right now at what at like the some images from this thing, and uh, <laughs> it don't look like it's about no firefighters. This thing looks <laughs> insane. She's worked on a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. Um, I was just like looking down the deadline article, like. Fucking Boardwalk Empire, Walking Dead, uh, The Americans, House of Cards, The Punisher, like definitely got Shit, those. The, the those chops. three alone, she's got a a solid uh, a solid backing for this uh, for this series. Yeah, yeah it's funny because I feel like a lot of times when we get these announcements, it's like, oh, what's this person done? And it's like a lot of times I feel like they they like to go with like untested talent. You know, like it's like oh, like. Like, Taika Waititi was, like, a weird choice to do, like, a big-budget superhero movie when it's, like, he's only done, like, these little comedies and stuff. And it's, like, oh, no, this, like, she's got a hell of a resume for this kind of show. She's done a lot of, like, high drama and, like, solid action. And I think with television, it's a lot easier because um, a lot of times, you know, you can – I mean, look, she has a huge, you know, resume of shows that she has done. What? Can you what relax you over there? Uh, she has a huge resume of shows that she has a done. Monster. Whereas a director is, even if they have done some movies, they probably haven't done anything as big as a Marvel movie. So sure. it's always going to be, whoa, who's that? You know that that's that's going to be a regular occurrence. And sure. but with with television, I think you can, you can skirt that. But the other cool thing about this announcement, um, and what I think, you know, behind the scenes, her directing is huge but on the front end the fact that we're getting um daniel brule and emily van camp who played zemo and sharon carter respectively they're gonna be on the show that's huge yeah it's really cool to see that zemo is gonna make a return um obviously like a really significant uh captain america villain so getting to see them tangle with him again will definitely be cool this is also he's uh, what only the second villain, I think, who well to return. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like Thanos was the overarching villain, but well, the only okay. other villain who really like came back was Loki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's also in, in a show. villain role? Sorry. Okay. Yeah, and even Loki, like he came back, but like was more of a good guy. Like you know. Yeah, yeah, like, at the beginning of Thor 3, he was, you know, whatever, but he wasn't really a foil in the way he was in Thor 1, so. Yeah, even in Thor 2, like, he's an antagonist, but, like, he's working with Thor, so it's like, they evolved his character a lot, whereas, like, I feel like Zemo, they're gonna, he's gonna be a bad guy. He's always gonna be a bad guy. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, he's a Nazi, so he should be a bad guy. Not, yeah. <laughs> not in the not in the movie, right? Yeah, close enough. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No. And I, I, I don't necessarily know that he will be a bad guy. I mean, he might be morally gray, I guess, because his uh, his whole motivation was similar to Black Panthers, mm. in that his father was killed or some shit. His his, his his uh his wife and children children were because of because okay. of uh, the Ultron incident, I think. Yes. Hmm. He he has a, a a direct grudge with the Avengers. Yeah. So I wonder if uh, if this might lead to the Thunderbolts rumor oh. eventually. That'd be cool. That's a very interesting idea. So um, I would love to see that done. 
and I, I, I've talked about my theory that I think each one of these shows is actually going to be uh, a lot more related to the future of the movies than we might realize. I think these shows mm-hmm. are all going to have big implications. Mm-hmm. And I hope you're right about that. But I also love the idea of this version of Zemo, even more than the comics version of Zemo, as a direct Captain America villain. Because... It's so personal. It's so personal. And so I I like that idea. And again, with Winter Soldier being a part of this show, Winter Soldier has a reason to want to see Zemo dead. Because Zemo used his face. So Mm. I think this is awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, Yeah, that's actually the the first thing that I've heard that's like really made me interested in this show. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Like this this is like a plot I think I, I could definitely see wanting to chew on. I'm a little bummed out, though, because they said that uh, this won't air until August 2020. Mm. And we're getting we're getting the Disney Plus in the fall of this year. So, you know, that's a gap. What's the first show going to be? Is it going to be this? Because that's a long way away. WandaVision. I don't think so, because this is the only show they're really talking about. It could like in terms of announcing cast members in terms of announcing you know directors we only know about this one yeah that's a good point they're probably still working on it they are yeah yeah um just before we move on we have a little time i want to ask you guys do you feel like if this is the first show that they go with do you feel like this is going to be a dc universe situation where it takes so long to get into the good content that it hurts the streaming service. I don't just because I feel like it's such a different value proposition because like even if they don't have any original shows when the service launches, they're going to have a huge fucking catalog of content for like seven bucks a month. Right. So I feel like even if I don't know, like I feel like a lot of people are going to be interested in it for that just as much as the original content. In the same way that, like, when Netflix was first a thing, it didn't have original content. It was just cool that you could stream all this stuff. And like, if they're like, hey, like we've got The Simpsons and you know, like every Disney classic and the entire Pixar library and Star Wars and all these things, like that's a pretty good bang for your buck even before there's anything new. So, like, I could definitely see a lot of people biting on it then or even just being like, yeah, well, whatever, I'll wait till the original content comes out. But I don't think this is going to just go away in the same way as the DC Universe app, like, has in the public consciousness because it's just bigger. It is bigger, but the marketplace is marketably different than when Netflix came out. The novelty of just having a giant Mm -hmm. library of stuff in 2011, uh, that novelty isn't the same in 2019 with all the myriad That's true, of streaming services. But, but I think that like Disney's catalog of content is something that like you really can't ignore and like they have a huge thing to leverage. Like there's never been a, a place where you could stream every Disney movie and there's also never been a place where you could stream The Simpsons. And like those are those are big things. I also think as far as like a price point, you know, they I think we talked about this when it happened. Uh they own the majority of Hulu now as well. Mm-hmm. So you know they actually bought it outright recently, didn't they? Or something? I, yeah, I feel like they have like an even have, bigger control. They ha- yeah, they ha- they have the the majority share. Okay. So yeah, so even if they even if they like like recently, I got a Hulu subscription 
added on to my Spotify premium account. Yep. So even if they just tag tag Hulu on onto that, similar to the Spotify premium situation, yeah, that'll be pretty worth it. I I did want to point out uh, one reason why this might not be so bad is that the first show that they're launching with is The Mandalorian. Right, and that's already oh, got a big okay. hook. Yeah, so, like, there you go. Yeah, and that's going to be out in November. So, if you... Uh, I mean, there's a lot of cross-pollination anyway between Marvel and Star Wars fans, but if they don't... If for whatever reason people decide that they're not going to adopt this early, if they're a Star Wars fan or a Marvel fan and they're waiting for that first Marvel show... Disney Plus will have more than enough subscribers just off the people that want to see Star Wars and the families that get this for their children. So And just like the, there's a huge, huge contingency of like hardcore Disney fans. Sure. You know, yeah, like yeah. that's a g- huge group of people. Yeah. And like those people are going to buy this no matter what because it's like, oh, the entire collection just in an app yeah like of course i'm not I'll... waiting i want to watch fox and the hound on demand <laughs> fuck yeah sean i love that movie you do oh my god that's why we're friends dude Who i love you love i'll cry right now if you put that movie on that movie's beautiful yeah i'll cry right now unprompted <laughs> I'll just cry. that's my secret cap i'm always crying <laughs> The Incredible Sulk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Plus, what? Not, not to mention, there's going to be what? All 22 Marvel movies are going to be there fucking soon enough, too. They're all leaving Netflix now. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm the Incredible Sulk. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be fine. Yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about Tom King. Yeah. Now there was a big announcement this week that Tom King is leaving Batman. In the end of 2019. And that he will be transitioning into other projects for DC. The first of which has been announced as Batman Catwoman. Which will be a 12 issue series that will complete the story that Tom King has been telling in Batman. Now, I need you guys to go on a journey with me. Alright, let's walk. Let's take a walk, Sean. Do I have to? Yes. You can bring it. Is there we'll going to be McDonald's you there? Use your walker, whatever you need. <laughs> you know what? You can Let's even go. McDonald's. Yeah. You can even bring your rascal. All right. DC and Tom King have been very vocal about the fact that Tom's run is supposed to be 100 issues. Okay? Hmm. Now, by the end of the run when he's off the book he will have done 85 so the batman title yep of 100 yeah so where are the 15 now that's where this thing gets real interesting and i'm gonna have to shift over to uh three days ago our time to a bleeding cool article that no one believed Dude, I, it was so funny because I remember comic books, uh, comic book pages without context, the Facebook page that we all follow. They were like, oh, like, don't believe it. Like, you know, this guy makes shit up all the time. And then it's like, boom. <laughs> and by the way, Bleeding Cool is right constantly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That I don't they know have why people have that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, they break stories like this, like, regularly. Yeah, we, we, we talk about stories they break all the time. So, 
Um, go ahead. Well, we can have a bleeding cool conversation some other time. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, sure. Uh, Rich Johnson over at Bleeding Cool, he, you know, I'm going to read a little bit from this eventually, but the gist is that uh, they reported that multiple senior industry sources said that the run was ending and that it was not his decision, that it was not Tom's decision. Yeah. That the decision was made during MegaCon in Orlando last weekend. Uh, and uh, that Tom originally actually had to talk to Warner Brothers and AT&T over what it was that he wanted to do with the character at the end. And uh, he actually said the following. What we're going to do for the last 15 issues is something no one's ever seen for the character. That was what Tom had to say. So, the book has suffered from falling sales. Batman has. Uh, Particularly during the Nightmares arc of the book. Which is just, it's an arc where Batman is stuck for three years. um, Going through nightmares that Bane has has set up for him. Um, And the book just hasn't recovered sales wise and and even immortal hulk is now doing better than than the book um yeah so uh this is not a good look but the article goes forward uh and it and it, it actually okay so this is where i'm gonna read from the uh rich johnson bleeding cool article throughout his run most prominently with Mikel Janin, he has slid into one story into another with Gotham Girl, the conflicting meetings with Bruce Wayne and Selina, his confrontation with Bane, his dealings with, with the psycho pirate, Dr. Manhattan, and uh, Bane. So he goes on to say, um, I'm trying to find exactly what I'm looking for here. Okay, so there, there's two articles in this article that I'm that I'm reading from. Doesn't have what I need, but it's fine because I have it in memory. So what he says is that DC was not happy with what he was doing in Batman. That Bob Harris wasn't happy. He doesn't like Hmm. this run on Batman. He's not a fan. And that he didn't want Tom King to be able to go forward with his run because he just doesn't think it's good. He doesn't think it's good. Sorry? So you don't want to piss off Bob Harris? Certainly not. And apparently he has. And they also reference the fact that um, that uh, Heroes in Crisis is not doing as well as they had hoped, and that it's not it's not good. Just for just for clarification for for anyone who doesn't happen to know, Bob Harris is not the owner of Warner Brothers. He's like the president of. DC or um what is it? he's he's had a lot yeah. of titles um he he he, he was uh, he, yeah sorry I thought you guys would know well he used to be editor-in-chief at DC uh he's been like he's largely associated with like being like the guy like the final decision on Batman huh uh Google has him as the editor-in-chief still oh he still is well shit there you go there you go yeah so Again, this is um, this is pretty this is pretty shocking because of how um, 
how big this run was supposed to be. And a lot of people have been very angry. A lot of fans. There was an issue recently where Batman punched Robin in the face and it upset a lot of people. A lot of people have equated that to Captain America saying Hail Hydra. They've equated that to One More Day. People are very, very mad. (laughs) It's stupid. (laughs) He punches punches Robin every other issue. What the... Well, I think they see it as, like, child abuse because it's, like, his kid or whatever. Uh, Finally. (laughs) So, uh, I I found the article that I wanted, and and Rich says the following. The argument that has been made to me is that King's Batman is too esoteric for the main book on which so much of the publisher rests. And King's tendency to not compromise, to dig his heels in on the title and do things his way, while this may have been fine for Detective Comics, is not appropriate for the main twice-monthly book. There were a lot of internal arguments about City of Bane, but then there have been arguments about so much. King was able to get his editor fired off the book when they argued over the choice of David Finch for the Catwoman proposal scene. I understand that Heroes in Crisis, also not performing sales-wise as strongly as hoped, may also have been a contributing factor in the decision as well. I'm sorry, people think that his Batman is esoteric? I understand what they mean by that. What he's saying is that the Batman run is not about... It's it's long-form storytelling in a way that really does require you to have read absolutely every issue. You cannot jump onto this book at any point because it doesn't have a jumping-on point. Every single issue is related to everything that's come before. On top of that, most of the book deals with Batman's internal problems rather than a physical problem. And that's cool, and I'm here for it and stuff. But I understand why that might not be a thing that leads to great sales across the board for the mainline Batman title. Yeah, people, you just want you want something that's like as mainstream and broadly popular as possible, which is like Batman being a detective. By the sounds of it, that's kind of what the Immortal Hulk is, and it's not like other books that haven't that have dealt with more inner demon subjects haven't sold. It would be one thing if if it was too lax on action, if it wasn't already critically extremely divisive. Well, but I mean, like, there's also a big difference between a monthly book and a and a by uh, what is what is, is it twice monthly? It's twice, twice monthly. Yeah. That's what I mean to yeah. say. Yeah. Um. So that's that's also I think a big deal, and I think like there there is a difference between like you know yeah the Immortal Hulk is really popular. But I don't think that it was launched with the intention of it being a flagship title, right? Like, it was a success because of its quality and because people – it resonated with people, and that's great. But I also think that, like, there's a difference between that sort of book and, like, The Amazing Spider-Man or Batman, right? Like, those books are supposed to be a certain thing. People go into those with a certain expectation. They're supposed to be highly accessible. And I think to Sean's point, you should be able to jump on. Like, any issue of Batman should be able to be your first issue of Batman. And with the way that Tom's doing it, like, from what you're saying, like, I, you know, haven't read since, like, issue 20 or something like that. Um, That's not the case. You can't do that. And I understand from a business perspective why that's not a good – that's it's just it's just a bad situation they found themselves in where people turned on the book and it's not easy for new people to pick it up. 
so I guess my pushback is, and granted this isn't a, uh, a book that's released twice a, a month, is these were the kind of uh, editorial comments that were levied at Morrison's Batman run, is that there was no easy jumping on point until toward the end when he did Batman Inc., um, or when he first launched Batman and Robin, and that it was too esoteric and complicated with stuff like Batman R.A.P., but that book still sold really well, and a lot of it, I think, probably had to do with the fact that it was so critically well-received. But I also think Morrison was also a name. People will tune in for a Morrison book. Yeah, Tom King's definitely become divisive over the last couple years. Tom King had three three big books. Granted, they were award-winning, but they were also short. I got you, yeah. I want to make make this point. Um, I think that this book turned a lot of people off when they promised a wedding in issue 50 and didn't deliver that. Because it was promoted as the wedding issue. It, yeah. it, it, it was in the New York Times. It was everywhere. People went out and bought it in droves. They didn't deliver a wedding. And I remember personally... I was pissed with that issue. I did not like yeah. that issue. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Didn't they also? Didn't the newspapers also spoil they it? They did. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I hated that issue, and I haven't cared about this book the same way as I did before. And I'm gonna buy it anyways. They have me. I'm a sucker. They got. Me. They're gonna get my money no matter what. But the fact is that the book doesn't sell as well as it used to and there has to be a reason for that and it's not the artist's fault you know what the storyline is exclusively what tom wants so someone has to take the blame and it's gonna be him and if dc has a number they need batman to sell and it's not hitting that mark tom's not gonna change his plans he is a hundred issue run planned out it's not gonna change you can do stuff like what he's trying to do and see, you know, worse sales on Detective Comics, but you can't have that on Batman. Grant's run, Grant's run was just better, just just flat out better. And with the Grant thing too, though, they did a similar thing though, right? Where they spun it off into Batman and Robin because they needed to move on well, the main title. No, so what happened was uh, Batman and Robin actually was like, um, like. It, it was the everything was going so well that they also had Batman and Robin. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I misunderstood and then. Yeah. It was also post Final Crisis, so it was like, okay, this is a perfect point to sort of transition from you know dark, broody Bruce Wayne Batman to okay, our our flagship Batman title will be Batman and Robin right now, and it'll be Dick and Damien, and it'll be a bit more lighthearted and flip, you know a bit more fun flip the dynamic around right i think more akin to what you're referencing pete is probably and phil you you tell me your thoughts too um is probably when they spun off batman inc yes um but i don't see i think the main dif- difference there is that that happened due to a larger corporate direction change that was right. the, that was in the new 52 launch that had yeah. no that had no bearing on whether and what what grant was doing if anything they did they performed circus tricks to appease grant 
for fucking him over. Yeah. They're like, yeah, well, the continuity still, everything you did is still canon. Uh, and also, we'll give you the first Action Comics issue. Yeah. And he, I, I mean, I don't, I think he was still unhappy with how he was treated on that book, but. Right, yeah, rightfully yeah. so. Um, but yeah, so this is an unfortunate situation. I think it's funny, though, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't think it's funny, but I do, <laughs> that <laughs> this whole thing is being treated like a positive by DC and Tom. And they have to do that. They're not going to, you know, come out and, mm. you know, trash this deal. But let's be honest, you know, um, this is not Tom King's decision. And this is not something that DC is doing because they want to give Tom more room to play. It's less issues. Mm. And it's well, not Batman. The one, the one thing I will say is he has one luxury here that a lot of authors aren't given, in that he will be able to finish his story, just not on the main Batman title. Yeah, true. Yeah, which is that's good. At least, at least there will be a conclusion. L- l- let me read a couple quotes. So Bob Harris, the guy who made this choice and allegedly does not like this book, says, "We're making changes to our comic book publishing line to set DC up for continued success. We're starting with the best-selling." Batman comic after City of Bane wraps up in December. City of Bane is an incredible story and an integral part of our overall Year of the Villain campaign and a new Tom King and Clay Man Bat-slash-Cat series in 2020 fills the gap once Batman begins to ship monthly. So that was his, you know, that was his spin. His PR. Which, yeah, exactly. Uh, which, you know, again, is just funny to me because it just, it's so ridiculous. Um, fake. Yeah. It comes across as fake. It really yep. does. It really does. Because it is fake. I mean, like, yeah. he, did, he did not win over any, uh, you know, any truthers out there because he's peddling bullshit. Yeah. And then Tom King, you know, he had an announcement and he said to me, Batman and Catwoman is a chance to do what Morrison and Quietly did with Batman and Robin. Launch an ambitious, accessible, beautiful, thrilling new series that concludes years of stories and defines what Batman is, can, and will be. Uh, He had a lot of other things to say. He said, it's tough to leave Batman. It's a gift and a joy to be on that book, but I'm leaving it to work on the biggest, most ambitious projects of my career. Comics I get to make with the best collaborators in comics, and that's a gift and a joy, too. Finally, I can't say enough how much I've always appreciated the support of my fans and colleagues in the past few days. I remain in awe of the power of this medium and the compassion of its readers as ever. As always, you all save me. So, you know, it's just a little bit funny that he he even referenced uh, Batman and Robin when this is such a different situation than that. But, you know, what am I going to say? Definitely feels like he's trying to put a spin on it. I have two questions. One. Are we so you wit- said you had questions? I have two questions. Go ahead. One, are we witnessing the downfall of Tom King? Okay, follow-up question. Sean, when we talked about, um, when we started just really disliking Heroes in Crisis, it may have been three or four, whichever one you and I had the biggest disagreement about yeah. the first time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe three. Um, you asked if... You, I think you asked that question. I did. Or something very similar. Yeah. And I said, I think we should see 
how his Batman run is going <laughs> to end. And uh, I guess we got our answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily like the sign of like his downfall. It's definitely a, it's definitely been a downturn in his career for someone who came on the scene and was immediately a superstar and like a like a rising star. Yeah. Um, and he stumbled, you know. And I think this is definitely represents a stumbling for his career. And like, it's it's not good. But I don't think that this undoes the quality of the stuff that he's done in the past. I mean, Mr. Miracle, like, just wrapped and was yeah. super critically acclaimed. So, like, he's clearly capable of go- doing good work. And I think people are still going to be interested in working with him. And I think yeah. it's just he needs to have another hit. He needs to have another book of the, on the caliber of Vision or Mr. Miracle. And then everyone's going to forget about this. And there'll be some people that were like, his Batman run was good. And some people who say it sucks. And... We'll move on, you know? I think um, unless he continues a downward trend like this where he has a, a bunch more flops, then that might that's a different conversation. You're, you're right in that it was it's a, uh, Mr. Miracle was nominated for an Eisner, but boy, that book was a really disappointing kind of book as well. Um, and it was what? I'm sorry? It was disappointing as well. And that's a, mm. that's a really divisive book as well amongst the community. Interesting. Yep. I haven't. I just got it, and I still haven't read it. So uh, Marco um, and I I'm, talked about it when about the last issue came out. Um, but I I haven't seen a talent in the industry like this just keep taking lump after lump. I, I can't even think of a comparison. Maybe like Frank Miller, but his sustained mm, like popularity no. was much longer. I I've never seen this before. Yeah. I I've never seen a top level creator get hit like this or so early on people still people crap yeah. on brian bendis but brian bendis is, is is teflon you can't touch him frank miller the same you can say whatever you want he'll always work he's a draw he's always gonna yeah exactly tom king yeah. i look i'm gonna say this tom king is a great writer and he's done enough things that i feel comfortable saying that However, that's not enough. Mm. And this is an industry where if you're working for the big two, you have to be able to deliver on the books that matter. It's not enough to do the Mr. Miracles and the Omega Men because those aren't moving units for them. They need you to do well when they put you on Batman. Scott Snyder is over because what he does sells big. So they don't put him on, you know, uh, Blue Beetle because they need his push for their big, their biggest titles. Tom King's never going to get... Though. Sorry? They fucking should, though. Maybe they should. Tom King's never going to get an event again. They're not going to run with him. They're not going to give him the ball ever again. Yeah. As yeah. long as Bob Harris is in charge. Yeah, and I mean, like, even if they do, it would it would be, like, not for a long time. You know, like if he works at DC for like another fucking five years and knocks it out of the park, maybe that's a different story. But like, I think their their trust in him has got to be pretty significantly shaken right now, especially with what happened. You know, with what reportedly happened with this editor situation, uh, with with uh, the proposal issue. Uh, you know, if you're if you're tough to work with with the you know the brass as it were, like. Yeah, if you know, if, if you don't have the kahunas to back that shit up, that is a terrible look in this industry. 
Yeah. I, I think I think especially when he did that and then it wasn't well received. Yep. Like if it had come out and been like a, a hit and everybody loved it, then they would have been like, "Oh well, Tom was right, and that's why he's the the talent." But he well, bought me a stink, in, and then people didn't like it, and that's not good. No, in that case, he was right. The proposal did go over well. Oh, I'm it's sorry. I'm thinking of the every, the wedding. Yeah, it's everything else that's followed since then that yeah. hasn't that hasn't followed up. Um, but I, I don't know, to also kind of defend him on some level, like, this is this is a title that ships bi-monthly that also, you know, like Sean said, has to be someone's first issue. And, like, everything I've seen from him in his career, he's just not that kind of writer. Yeah. Well, So he, he came in and did what he does, and he plotted out a whole thing, and they were like, well, okay. I feel like and he would then, be so much better on like a, a creator owned title, like where he had the ability to do something like that and just like, you know, like not have the pretense. Yeah, but you know what, man? It, there's if you're working for Marvel and you're working for DC, you know what time it is. Yeah, no, for and, sure. You're yeah, totally right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not denying that at all. That was a response to what I, Pete said. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, no, and you you are right. Like that's not an excuse for what. For the fact that he hasn't executed this properly. I, I'm just agreeing with what Kale said of like, I just don't know that that's his strong suit. And it's that's, tough because that's how you become a name. Exactly. But that's that's exactly my point as well. He's made his name on these short runs that while they are very, very good for the most part, you know, they they get canceled before their time. It's 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 a little bit of a Matt Fraction thing, but he never got the he never got the heat. Matt Fraction never know, got the ball. Yeah, that's what, like, yeah, yeah, but I, I uh, also no, he did uh, he did fear itself. That's true. So, but I mean, that and didn't that go was, over. Yeah, that, but, that's. But he was never given the heat that King's getting right now. So, like, he was they gave him a ball. They gave him the Fantastic Four at one point, and those didn't go over as well. But those things are nowhere near as being given the flagship title of an entire publishing company. Yeah. No, yeah. but but that's what I'm saying. It, Fraction also had an event, and it didn't go over well. And you know, I would also point out that was also a different time. Yeah. You know, King yeah. is also at the forefront right now of a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's that, I think that's the biggest problem with it, right? Is that it's like it's a perfect storm. Like I think if this was just happening and like Heroes in Crisis didn't exist. It might be a different conversation, but like I think across the board, like he just doesn't look very good right now, and he went from being the golden boy to being like, does this guy have what it takes? You know, and like I think it's clear that he does, but I think like he needs to be smarter about what projects he chooses, you know, for things that are going to play more to his strengths. You know, agreed. I I'll be I'll be interested to hear his side of the story. Long term, yeah, yeah. Okay. The thing, the thing I'm afraid of is I think that like you, you guys brought up Fraction, right? And I feel like if he had gone on a, a a more similar trajectory to Fraction, where like once Tom King was a name from his first couple series, like if he had gone and done something, um, like on the caliber of Sex Criminals at like an Image or, or something like that, like and and cemented that he could do more stuff like this, like I think he just didn't get. 
he didn't have enough wins while he was hot to like make up for like the whiplash that he's getting now, you know? Um, I, I, and that I sucks. bet if he I bet if he goes to do a creator on something or other, he'll he'll move some units, I bet. Oh, I think he will. I don't again, I don't think his career's over by any stretch of the imagination. I think if he comes out with something good now, the haters who hated him were gonna hate him anyway, and the people that were his fans like us will be like, Okay, cool. Well this was good. You know, and like I think people are not gonna like just blacklist him or anything like that. I, but he's done some serious damage to what was previously a like a pretty sterling track record. You know? I, and and reputation. I gotta be honest, yeah. my, my, my hype on him has gone down a lot the last year between between mm. Batman, Mr. Miracle and, and especially Heroes in Crisis, like Right. I don't know if I can read him the same way because he 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 doesn't shake it up enough. There's a lot of the same beats in every story, and it's problematic. I, yeah, I want to I want to put a cap on this conversation. Um, just just Tom has really good ideas. Sure. And mm-hmm. ideas are are worth a lot of money, and so. You know, he can apply those good ideas anywhere. I mean, Hollywood's looking at him. He's writing a pilot, or not a pilot, but a, a television show right now that he's that he's doing. And um, that's all, that's great. The problem is that the execution hasn't been what it needs to be. And it hasn't been for a, a hot minute. And um, there's only so long that anybody is going to buy your stuff when you don't deliver ultimately almost every shot you take if you don't have if you're not wearing armor like but Brian Bendis can do whatever he wants and he's going to sell he went over to DC and got paid more money than god to write superman and get his own line of titles when the last 5 years of here of his career no one wanted to read what he was writing. Allegedly, right? Because you go on the internet and people shit on him. But people buy his books, right? The problem with Tom King is that his book ain't selling the way it needs to. And that's what it comes down to. It's dollars and cents. And and at the end of the day, you either you can either execute or you can't. And he's got to figure out where it is that his books aren't connecting and fix the problem. Because Heroes in Crisis is... I hate to say this kind of stuff because I don't want to be disparaging, but it's one of the worst events that I have ever read. I know you don't want to be disparaging, so let me. Uh, it's trash. Very mature, Phil. Um, so I was just going to say, I think a path forward I, I might see for Tom is that like maybe he just isn't meant to be an exclusive writer for one of the big two in the, in this way and be one of the guys they build the company around. I could see him having a very similar trajectory to somebody like Brian K. Vaughn, where he goes and writes something successful on TV. Maybe he does a few movies. When he has the passion projects he really wants to do in comics, he does them, and they're great, and people like them, and that's what he does. And he's like at a point where he like has that control because he's proven that he can do the job across the spectrum well enough that he doesn't have to make a living at comics Mm. and he can just do the projects that are right in his wheelhouse man i could talk about this forever because then when you look at that brian k vaughn had successful has had a lot of success tom king he's gonna get notes 
You know, yeah. he's going to get notes. Yeah, he is. And yeah. you can't do when you have to when you have to deliver ratings, you can't just double down on whatever it is you're doing that ain't working. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Like, I mean, he, if he's, like, difficult to work with, like, that's something he's got to work on. Um, you know? Let me... Because he's not, he's not enough of a star to be a diva. Let me let me transition to my second question, which will not take up as much time as the first question. And when we answer this, we're done. So let's <laughs> let's answer quick, and then we move on to the main topic. Quick. Who do you guys want to see write Batman next? Great question. My answer is Brian Edward Hill. Oh yeah. Ooh, that, all that right. That feels like a good fit. Okay. Yeah. Um. What about you, Pete? If you were reading it. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like who, like who is somebody who has the right voice for that, that could like deserve a bump. There, there are several creators that. Um, DC has access to. I'll just rattle off some names so that you guys can, well, let, I, you know. I got mine. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Chip Zdarsky. He is exclusive to I Marvel. know, but uh, uh, if we're given a practical uh, answer, it would be like Jonathan Hickman or something. But I guess that can't happen either. No. So they uh, they do have That's a, a slate. Choice, though. They've got they've got Joshua Williamson. They've got Tom Taylor. They've got Sean Murphy, Mark Russell, Tim Seeley. Um, Brian Hill, like we said, um, James Tinian, um, those are the names that I feel like are actually, you know, Contenders. viable. Yeah. It should be Joshua Williamson. That makes, that makes sense. Sean, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy has already said that he, he only has plans to do his Batman. Oh, there you go. And that's mm-hmm. all he wants to do. So there you go. But, Give it uh, to Brian Michael. B- no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that is the most likely answer. So the answer to Phil's question, it, it, like answering it literally, I'm only gonna say the the 15 issues between 85 and 100. Yeah, yeah. After after that, Brian Bendis is getting that book. Yeah. Give it yeah. to give it to Gerard Way. If it's only like fifteen issues, let him just do some weird wacky shit with oh. it and just be like, all right, cool. I'll shit, jump off a ledge. <laughs> one thing I would one thing I would really like to see, and I, I, I guess I don't really have an, an answer for Phil's question, but one thing I would really like to see is is Batman as a, a genuine horror title. Um I don't I don't know that they would necessarily do it. Um not in main but he would be cool. Yeah, not in the main be cool. book. But Detective Comics uh has done it and can do it, so Yeah. Um Black Mirror, I don't know if you've read that, but yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We right, just got so, an absolute edition. Yes. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into the main topic. That conversation went on longer than I anticipated, but honestly, I feel like, you know, there's a lot to be said about Tom and where he's at and, and where he's going, and this is a big story, so uh, I have to talk about it. But uh, we're gonna be talking about what comics and comic book films can actually learn from one another. Comic book films, you know, we've talked about how big they are and we all know that they're they're, you know, they've taken over the film industry and they're they're awesome. Um but they haven't always been. They have not always been as good as they are right now. And I think that uh there are a few reasons for that. And I actually think that a good portion of that has to do with the fact that in the earlier years a lot of these producers and filmmakers were afraid of having a comic book movie 
be unabashedly about comics uh, or re- respect and represent their source material. But on, on the other hand, there are some comic book movies that are telling better stories with the comic book characters than the actual books do. And so I feel like there's room for both of these, you know, behemoths to learn from each other, especially when it comes to, you know, what's being produced based on the big two. And I just thought we could talk about some of the areas where, you know, we like more what's being done, you know, let's say on film and where comics might be able to take a little bit to improve and vice versa. So I have a few thoughts about this and one of them has to do with i mean avengers endgame spoilers we're going to just talk about how captain america is gone right and how iron man is dead now comic book movies have often killed off characters that's that's normal villains especially they always die and sometimes the movies are worse for that i would i would argue what I fear with Avengers Endgame and, and the Marvel brand is that the power of the Captain America character as Steve Rogers and the character of or the power of the the uh, Iron Man character as Robert Downey Jr. the absence of them might actually hurt. But storytelling wise, I wish comics could tell me stories that good. You know, and yep. they can't in some ways because. There's no meaning. Exactly. Exactly. Just the other day, they announced that Daredevil was being replaced, that there would be a new Daredevil come August. And I got angry because it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the whole problem, I think, with the kind of the inherent need for comic book universes to have like a canon and grow and change, but also stay the same. Yep. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know that there is a solution because I think, like, you look at for so much of comic book history, um, that really just like wasn't as big of a problem. Because, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because these characters have existed for so long that there are people who are more like the legacy of comics is true for our generation in a way that, like, is so tangible because of the internet that, like, I don't know, like, you, you just, you think about stuff like how they they replaced, you know, the original Green Lantern and the original Flash, you know, and it's like, for for some people, like, Wally is their Flash and he was the Flash, you know, or Jon Stewart was Green Lantern or whoever, and, like, I imagine that there were people at the time who were mad when certain characters changed or got switched or whatever, but, like, maybe it's just because people weren't reading these books into their adulthood as much, too, that, like, a new generation of kids aren't aware that there was an old Green Lantern. There, You know what I mean? So it could be so many things, but I think that the the fact that we we complain that everything is the same over and over again, but also get upset when they change anything it's like a that's not a recipe for good storytelling and it's hard to make some of the emotional beats matter when 
you know that there are never stakes, really. You know, that, that like, the idea that, like, a death is permanent is very rare. The idea that something bad is going to be bad and stay bad is almost unheard of, you know? Um, and I know, like, for me as a reader, that was one of the things that drew me to image books or, or initially was that, like, I was getting tired of that, you know? Um because it's like, why should I spend the time to invest myself in a run or a character or whatever if they're either never going to change and I'll get bored with it or they'll change so much that I don't like it anymore? Yeah, that's a big problem. What do you do with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, how, how do Marvel and DC respond to that? You know? Well, does anyone else want to jump in? Okay, I, uh... Well... I mean, for me, I guess along along the lines of like characters and and how I read them, you know, and we talked a little bit about this, Sean. Um, I don't, man. Today is just a day where I want to talk to you. <laughs> All right, well, Pete, let's get going. <laughs> um, during the uh, the uh, 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 the Phoenix Book Club, yes. You mentioned that the 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 atrocities that the Phoenix committed commit uh, committed. She did it in the past, so committed. <laughs> um, putting that English degree to use. Um, <laughs> the uh, the editors, you know, made a decision that they couldn't bring Jean Grey back until they felt that there was a reason good enough. And so, basically, everything that happened since then. Like you can kind of tell when they were trying. It was it was more like they couldn't bring her back until they could remove somehow what she had done to make her yeah. a hero again. Sure, to redeem so her. In, so in that conversation, you said um, it it sort of makes everything that comes after the Dark Phoenix just kind of bad or or not as good to cheap. you cheap yes and i brought up that the way i read characters in particular is i pick what i like headcanon yeah more or less a headcanon and you were offended no i wasn't <laughs> offended i mean you were offended for you on this show Okay, and by the way, to those of you who are listening, you have no idea what we're talking about because that book club's not out yet. It'll be out real soon. Yeah, you'll get there. You'll get there. Fuck. It'll be out this Friday. Yeah. So go listen. And and my big reveal is there too, by the way. Oh, boy, is it. Um, But uh, I don't know. For for me, that's that's the ticket. It's, It's on the readers to sort of make something that works for them but by that logic i i also read sort of the same way pete does i'm kind of tired of it too you know um the superhero the big two superhero genre is is with only a few exceptions to me kind of stale yeah i and i i can't help but agree where i feel like even books that um, that that I'll read and enjoy. Sometimes it's like it's very predictable, 
And it's hard. I just don't get as invested in anything because I know that ultimately it doesn't matter. You know, that it's like it matters as much as it does in the context of this one story. You know, so I like kind of gravitate towards stuff that is intended as one story. You know, that's not trying to fit into a broader canon just because I just like it's just we're 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 just pushing the reset button all the time anyway. So it's like I what's the point of of being engaged with it? Especially because I think I'm I'm spoiled by the fact that the books that really got me back into comics in a heavy way were the Ultimate Universe, where like it's not like that. You know, and that appealed to me was that like things were final. They were finally bad. Hey. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. It, it got it became a total train wreck. That's definitely true. <laughs> so, Phil, you haven't gotten a word in edgewise here. Do you have a do you have some thoughts? You know, eh, it's like eh. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of talk about it in the Dark Phoenix book club that is coming out this Friday. Um at the end of the day, comics are comics. It's a whole unwieldy mess of continuity, different writers, different editors, and you kind of just take it for what it is. Uh, as for people being upset about things staying the same, I think that's reasonable. But I think at the end of the day, what it really boils down to is the quality of the talent on the book or run that's coming out. And I think if you get way too in the weeds about continuity, you wind up with a game of Thrones problem where people become too invested in something that it's no longer enjoyable for them. Um, that's an individual thing. It isn't. I think a lot of it is like an individual thing though, you know? Um, well, I just want to respond to that point. I am, very invested in the continuity of Marvel specifically. And it is frustrating when things, you know, uh, get retconned or stuff like that because it, you know, it messes with something that you know to be true. Now they're just telling you, oh, no, that's not true. Um, but that's not the same thing as like not liking an episode of Game of Thrones because you didn't like, you know, the the choices that the characters made. There, it would be like if in Game of Thrones they said, "Oh well, remember how you thought that Sansa was uh, a human? Well, actually, she's a White Walker." And uh, yeah, that's that's. Or it would be like if in season eight of Game of Thrones we're like, "Okay, cool, now we're all the way back at season one." Or like, guess what? This character who died so long ago and like that death had meaning and reverberated, they're back. Ned's just back. What? I mean, listen, from I don't watch the show, from what I heard about season eight, that's basically what happened. No. No. And if you don't watch it, (laughs) no. Uh, What I'm really conflating is how when you become so invested in something like that, you, you, you. You, you take things like every little nook and cranny kind of personally uh, because you're 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 too deep in, and it's almost impossible. It's very very challenging for any creator, publisher, any kind of creator to live up to the expectations of an individual fan. And 
when there's a bit of a hive mind with a fan base, uh, it's very easy to disappoint a lot of people, which is what makes the Avengers Endgame thing so impressive because it lived up to really lofty expectations. Um, I remember when I was really reading a lot of Marvel, circa Civil War, and they lost me because I, I really hated the direction it was all going and it was taking it really personally. The moment I was able to divorce myself from all that, take a step back, and read individual runs for what they are, and and stuff like that, and follow authors rather than universes, it became immensely more enjoyable. Okay, Thank you. So now, let me take us back to the original premise of this conversation. If you had to do that with the movies, you wouldn't go see those movies. And so what I'm saying is, it's ridiculous that there are these things that you have to do in order to enjoy the books. And if you apply that same logic to any other thing, it's dumb. People yep. don't think that you should have to do that because it doesn't make any sense. The The presentation of the content is supposed to be what it is. And comic books suffer from the fact that you can't just go off that. You cannot just read what's on the page and accept it as such. And if you do, you're going to be, like you said frustrated and confused but if you don't do that and you only read individual runs you're cutting yourself off from the entire continuity of something that's supposed to be shared you can't just read immortal hulk for example divorced from the rest of marvel continuity and not know why the hulk is like that you have to know why the hulk is like that so similarly you can't just go to the movies and watch thor ragnarok because you're not going to know what the hell's going on I do know people but that they, did that, though. <laughs> they, pro- I mean, there's probably individuals that do it because there's individuals who do all kinds of things. I'm just saying that in a general sense, one of the problems with comics is that we, as fans, are forced by the people in charge of putting these books out to have to do very weird things to enjoy the books, whereas the movies don't require that of you, at least the Marvel ones. I don't know. I, I'm pushed back on that. Right, there, and, like, I, I think... I think nobody needs to know, like, people who like films might know the names of their favorite directors or their favorite creators of, you know, TV shows or what have you, but, like, most people don't, right? Like, they connect with the the material, and comics are probably the least um, accessible thing I've ever Absolutely. With. Like, even, like, even, even a, a great example, right, is... Phil and Sean, you guys are two of my closest friends. Uh, Many of my other close friends are very into wrestling, right? And I have been on the side of it and know a little bit about it. But, like, it's so much easier even knowing no one's names, none of the superstars, to watch a pay-per-view event and be like, oh, I get why this is fun. Whereas if you just read a random – like, if you just go to the comic shop and pick up whatever – the current Captain America comic is because you like Captain America and you decide you're going to get into the comics. That'll turn you off. Because you'll be like, I don't know what's fucking happening. Like, and that's it. You're lost. And, like, that's bad. That's a bad problem. And it's, like, it's a weird thing because, again, I brought this up at the very beginning of the conversation. Comics are so much about legacy and history and, like, 
in so many ways, the the medium hasn't evolved and adapted to like the way people consume media now. And it's been this weird problem where if you change the formula, the people that are already in are going to get mad. And if you don't adapt the formula, it's hard to get new people into it. So it's like, it, it's a really tough thing of like, you want to serve the, your existing audience, but you know that it needs to expand, especially while people are so broadly interested in superheroes. The fact that like Marvel especially hasn't been able to capitalize on that to have like, you know, not one book a year that sells a million copies is like, I think it, it's because of the way that comics are made and distributed and like the numbering systems, like everything, like the way that we do superhero comics and have done them forever is not accessible you know like i when i was talking about um my coworker earlier paul who was interested in this new run it's because he feels like he can jump on and it's brand new and he he said to me i'm the kind of person who likes to read everything and it always seemed crazy to go and read from x-men number one and i was like it is like that's not relevant to what's about to happen in this run right now really you know, it's great if you know all that stuff, but in the grand scheme of things, Phil's right. It is about runs. It is about creators. But if you don't know shit about comics, how the fuck do you get into that? Mm. It's not easy. It's not accessible. It's, it's the same problem long-running television shows have, too, though. I mean, most... No, because you can start at number one, though. Yeah, but... A long-running television it's, it's show, the, I could go and watch number one. It's the same obstacle, though, because for me, I have no interest, nine times out of ten, going back and watching 79 hours of television to get caught up to where people are now. It's the... But, like, most people do that, though. Yeah. Like, binging is a thing in our culture, and if, if, if comics were easier to do that with, people would do it. If you were right, if you were right, then Game of Thrones season eight wouldn't have the record-breaking rec- uh, ratings that it did. That wouldn't be possible. A lot of people watched it from season eight. <laughs> okay, let's be honest. The majority of the audience that was watching had seen every prior episode. But and and but my, the point is too though, right? That like with Game of Thrones, uh, most people right didn't start watching with episode one. Exactly. Season one. I jumped on two seasons in, and I was like, yeah, I'll watch. 20 fucking hours of TV because at some point of my day, every day I'm fucking watching TV. And it was a thing that me and my roommate in college did. He had already watched it and he was like, oh, it's really good. I want to watch it again anyway. Let's watch it together. And we did that, you know, over the course of like well, two or three weeks that, or whatever. That's, that's the thing that most people do. That's kind of the point is that people don't read. <laughs> but no, but what Pete's saying no. is that if you want to, a, a normal person would go and watch. Game, like if they just saw Game of Thrones season seven episode six and was like, "Oh, that was cool. I want to catch up to it before the next season starts." They would go watch season one and catch up to wherever. If you try to do that with Marvel comics because you're a regular, you're a regular new reader, you don't know anything about anything, you're gonna think, "All right, well, I'll read the first issue of X Men." Okay, well now you have to go back to 1960. So listen, I think you guys are being a little hyperbolic about this. You know how many people actually watched the last episode of Game of Thrones? 17.4 million people. There are 250 people in the United States. The reality is... 250 most, people? 250 million people. The reality is most people aren't interested in going back and watching 80 hours of television, too. If you go around in your daily life, most people haven't watched Game of Thrones because of the same type of obstacle that exists in comic books. Phil, now, it's you're, true. Doubling down, you're doubling down on a point that's ridiculous. No, but, the, yeah, it's not the, relevant that, to what we're saying. Yes, 
there it are, is. There, no, it's not. Because no, there, it's you're not. right. There are hundred. There are over a hundred million people in the U.S. and a minority of them tuned in for the last episode of Game of Thrones. But that's because of a million different reasons. Th- th- not everyone has uh, access to it. Sure. Not everyone cares. Blah blah blah. But the but the but the thing that kept them from watching the show was more likely their lack of access or interest than the prohibitive nature of the show because you can just go back and watch everything that came before. It's it's the same reason that when when someone asks me I want to get into comics, what should I read? I don't recommend that they go pick up a monthly book. It, so this is you this, know like this is, that's that's a problem. There's two things here. One a show like Game of Thrones is already immensely a lot more popular than comic books, inherently. Two, what you just said, you watch TV on a daily basis. How often do you read on a daily basis, or comic books for that matter? And you, Pete, you're a little more of a literary person than I would say the average person. That's not a slight on the average person. It's just that more people read or watch TV than read books, generally speaking. And Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so by design of the type of entertainment platform it is people are more inclined to watch tv than read comics but at the end of the day it's the same type of barrier except game of thrones is i guess has a bigger barrier in the type of uh payment platform it is anytime it requires people to go back and consume a lot of you know backstory or context or exposition like that hours upon hours upon hours of a vast library that's inherently an inhibiting thing you're going to compare, and then I want Kale to speak. You're going to compare the eight seasons of Game of Thrones that were delivered over the course of whatever, eight years. To 85 to... issues of Batman for a comparison. What? To like 85 issues of Tom King's Batman, just for a comparison's sake. That's not but the that's same the point. thing. It's not the same thing. It's you, not the same at all. That's not the same thing. If, a, if you tell a person... Okay, you want to read Batman? They're going to say, yeah. And then you say, where do you want to start? They're going to say issue one. So what do you give them? Issue one. What's the beginning? What's Okay, What is? there are 50,000 issue ones of Batman. Issue one of Tom King's Which Batman. Which one do you give them? Uh, the same thing. Oh. Game of Thrones is a run. But, okay, of, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. So, you, so, they, so, they, so you give them issue one of Tom King's Batman, and then they say, well, this isn't the first issue of Batman. Was Batman's origin? Yeah, but you just say it's its own run. It's like anything else. But yeah, that but doesn't no, but make any not, sense. It's not like anything else, though, Phil. That's it's, the point it, we're making. Eighty-five like, issues. What you're saying about 80, Game of Thrones being a, 80, a run is is not accurate. Eighty-five. When you watch the first episode to the eighth season, it introduces all of the themes and the characters and who the players are and that's, X, Y, and Z. That's not that's, how comic yeah, runs. Work. Yes, it is for a run because Batman. Okay, number hold one. on. Oh okay, let's God. let let's let Kale jump in. Let's let Kale jump in. Okay. <laughs> so I think I think I think the the problem here is that the there's a, a miscommunication with the comparison of of the the types of 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 of, of titles we're consuming here, right? So you've got Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones is more akin to something like paper girls right it's a it's a it's a a set amount of episodes that tells one broad story right then you've got stuff like batman which is like who the fuck knows 
the point here i think is that batman is a bit more like i don't know csi new york fuck i want to start with csi new york how do i do that don't first of all don't (laughs) but what what you should do is go by what you're interested in oh you like scarecrow okay cool here's a run of the scarecrow and i i see you don't think i don't see you i'm sure you do i know i fucked it up (laughs) the point the point is that batman is is a flagship thing that in in my head they they want you to just be able to pick it up read it and they have your money and that's as far as dc is concerned that's it i i would personally argue and this is creators and everything aside i would argue that on the same level as something like ncis or cbs new york uh, csi new york they they want you to have it on so that they have the money they have your view they have your money they have you have the ticket in your hand you're that's that's to me where your comparison is getting it's more like doctor who well where do i start with doctor who there's so many i'll just pick this one that has this set amount of episodes just like tom king's batman has 85 set issues introduces the ethos and mythos very early on you'll be good yo but even i i i literally we're gonna move on from this portion of it but i literally don't know one human that has ever started watching a show out of like in the middle of nowhere of this of the series and then didn't watch what came before i don't know anybody who's ever done that i have i think doctor who's definitely a more apt comparison because it is like anthology like kind of like an anthology but like i think even so right like each run like each new doctor has new companions and like it re-explains the rules and that's part of the problem is like that is still not true is like even you know, Tom King's run is informed by things that came before. That if you don't know, you will be confused by. No, it kind—it kind of gives you an explanation of what comes before, in the same way Doctor Who does. Oh yeah. So, um, at what point in Tom King's Batman number one does it explain why Batman is Batman? Or like who any of his sidekicks are, or why they work with him, or what their relationships are. Like, yeah, you explore those things, and I think if you have that background, you can pick it up. But it's 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 just a different conversation. Guys, comics is broken. So here's the thing: we gotta fix it. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> we're rolling up our sleeves and doing the real work. So I, I wanna I wanna shift gears and talk about what I think comics do well that the movies could take. A little bit from so <laughs> fucking based on this conversation good luck <laughs> no 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 uh, i think <laughs> no. comics do some things very well uh so one of the things that i think comics do really well that the movies are getting and marvel you know they have the bag but um they need to keep this in mind i don't believe based on it even even with everything that we have said i do not believe that comic books would still be around today if it wasn't for continuity and it wasn't for 
um, re- respecting the fact that they are comics. So examples to the contrary on film are like every X-Men movie, um, the Fantastic Four movies that don't respect the fact that they are comic book movies. And basically every superhero movie from the early 2000s or the 90s that isn't Spider-Man or like the first two X-Men. Right. Just just ashamed of their source material and not very good. Exactly. And I would argue that on some level you could even uh, lob a claim like that on some level towards uh, the DC movies that have come out in their shared universe from Man of Steel. I think some of them you could say that about. Uh, And I I think part of what makes the Marvel movies now so successful, especially in Phase 3, is that whether you like them or not, they're unabashedly comic book movies. And I think that there's a lot more power in the brand of these characters and that look that comic books have than some of the producers and creators have been willing to give them credit for. Yeah, I mean, to me... The thing that, that comics do better than movies is, like, have ideas, you know? It's like the – like, Hollywood is – especially right now, it feels like – like, when it, when you're talking about, like, blockbuster stuff, you know, I think there's a lot of really good, um, like, challenging, like, director-driven films that still come out. But the the big movies of the year are all adaptions. It's all taking some other original property and trying to – make the film version, you know? Um, and I feel like, yeah, like comics have become such a, 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 a rich well to tap because there's no limit of, of creativity, you know? Like the thing that's so cool about comics is that there's literally a comic for everyone. It's, it's as a, our artistic medium, it's so fucking broad. Um, and I think people like think, you know, superheroes when they think comic books but i mean jesus christ like there's there's a flavor for whatever genre you're into you know and i think like that's that's really like the the strength is how fucking insanely creative the marvel and dc universes and then like all of the other great ip that have originated in comics are you know and that like it's a medium where you're not limited by like budget and and you know um so many other like creative restrictions when it comes to telling like big stories you i'm know? limited by like, budget that's yeah <laughs> um and that's that's cool you know i think like that's what's so powerful about it is that like you're you're only limited by the 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 strength of the creators right like a great writer and a great artist who communicate well can can make anything you know, and, and realize it exactly the way they want to. And that's insanely powerful. And I think that's way more difficult in pretty much every medium, yeah. you know, um, because there are so many like stages where things can go wrong in other projects. And comics are like, you know, even a big comic book team is like five people, you know, like, and that's cool. Well, to your point, not only stages where things can go wrong, but stages where people can tell, you no. You know, uh, yeah, this is right. this is impossible, impractical. It won't sell. People won't get it. And I think Too expensive. That, I think when you look at like, especially those those Fantastic Four movies and X Men movies, you can feel you can feel when you watch them 
where the producers were were telling the, the writers no or the directors no. Like, I'll never forget this in my entire life. When in X-Men 3, they're fighting a sentinel in the, uh, in the uh, danger room. And the only thing you see of the sentinel is the head. Because you know they were told, nah, that's not going to work on screen. And that was the actual reason. And that would never happen in a comic. Or at least it's unlikely. Right. I don't even remember the Sentinels in that franchise. Because, because in, at least in X-Men 3, the only thing you see is the head. But they were it in Apocalypse. Was. And they were garbage in Apocalypse. Or not Apocalypse. Days of Future Past. But they were garbage in that. Phil, you were about to jump in. Uh, a while ago. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> that oh, was, that I was, thought you were... That was like oh, you were trying to go ago. back to the... Oh, okay. I thought you were trying to jump in right now. Oh no, um, you're you're still you're still uh, tight about. Uh... No, I just got. I, I, um, I guess I don't know. Uh, what I, what I was thinking about was I've never seen a comic book movie that I've liked as much as the best comic books I've read. You know, mm. and the Interesting. best and the best example mm. I could think of something like that yeah. is like Logan. Which benefited from being very much uh, granted. It took place in this Fox X Men universe, but by by and large, it being as good as it was was largely by the credence of just being a great movie. In a way that maybe if you read, you know, uh, something like you know Batman Black Mirror, which is a great book, uh, you don't necessarily have had to read a ton of Batman before. But you're familiar enough with the character in the way that maybe you saw X-Men once 15 years ago and you're familiar enough that Hugh Jackman is Wolverine and the movie itself was so good that it was able to stand on its own two feet. Um, but I don't know why. I, I don't know why that is. But at the end of the day, uh, the best comics I've ever read are significantly better than the best comic book movies I've ever seen. That's interesting, uh, and I I would I would wonder how much of that just has to do with um, sort of what you what you referenced, which is just how much of the books you've consumed that leads to that moment. Like Avengers Endgame builds off of all these big moments prior and all this you know storytelling. I think that's one of the benefits of the long form storytelling of comics. Oh yeah. Absolutely, and and it's what keeps me hooked. I want to know what Spider Man's going to do next. But you know what? Like Endgame wasn't even in. It's not even in my top five favorite comic book movies ever. You know. Okay. And that's with all that compounded continuity and character interaction. And I like that movie quite a bit. I really do. But like, for me at least, the continuity has nothing to do with the quality of the film because a lot. I think the top five best cinematic adaptations of comic books don't have that baggage. I think that that's probably a minority thought because well, I think of movies like Spider-Verse, which were which is a lot of people's like favorite comic book movie. It's not mine, but a lot of people like they sure. love Spider-Verse. And yeah. I think I think most people that did not see that movie have no familiarity with any of those characters except Peter Parker. Yeah, but what I'm what I'm yeah. referencing is with Endgame in particular. I don't think you can really like it's a great movie on its own right, but you can't divorce it from 
it's impossible to say that it's only good because it's good when you can't divorce it from what came before. It 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 absolutely utilizes the continuity of the movies. That's a very unusual movie. I would argue that's part of why it's good. It is unusual, and I think that's that's the brilliance of it, and why for me personally, I love it so much is because I felt like I was reading a comic book. But even that, you know, uh, I, I, I still didn't like that movie as much as I liked Infinity by Hickman, for instance. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, and I'm not sure what it would take for a movie to be... Like, that's a book that's a massive crossover or whatever. I don't know what it would take for me to like a movie adaptation of something like that. More than a book. I don't know what it would take. At that point, is it just the preference of the medium well, think about think of yeah think about think about logan versus the comic logan old man logan or old man old, old man wolverine or whatever the fuck it was Lo- logan is way better than old man logan yeah i think and i i think we do see this quite a bit now that there is a huge you know uh a huge explosion in in the adaptation market i guess a lot of books are are being made specifically so that they can be pitched as movies. And I think I think what really sets what really sets these stories apart is is when they're written for their medium, like truly and purely. You know, write a comic as a comic. Forget forget your movie rights, forget your TV rights you know keep it in your contract whatever but as you're writing the story like you know think of it as a comic not as a movie and and that's where the purity of the medium comes from and i think that's that's the that's what makes a good comic and a good movie that's so interesting because i think what you just said is right especially when you think about like infinity like um, like Phil brought up just because I feel like infinity is very much you know and I, I actually don't like this term because I feel like, like it's often used in a way to diminish books but it's very comic booky if you will um, yeah I, I 1000% agree but then you look at something like Ultimates which was very clearly and without reservation done as well what if the Avengers were like a blockbuster action movie um, and that was probably one of the bigger reasons for the comic book resurgence um and 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 all for for what we've seen on the big screen is that is that book so it's like you know you're right but then there's also ultimates which i think is a direct counterpoint well but i well i don't just ultimates hold up it doesn't it doesn't matter if it does or doesn't It, it matters about how successful it was when it mattered that it needed to be successful. Yeah, how it impacted the market. I also I also think in regards to that, I also think Mark Millar has a, a very specific talent that he is, you know, has been able to utilize in that in that specific way. Sure. And that's not to necessarily discount your point, but you know, um Yeah, sure. Um honestly I think I really do think that comic books have a unique ability among among all storytelling mediums 
Um, and and you know we talk about superheroes a lot just because you know that's what's that's you know that's what we're that's the game. Into. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's American. Whatever. Like that's that, I, listen. <laughs> I I cannot stress enough how s- superheroes are a footnote in comics over here. Like it's wild, and I I mean that in no disrespect. Like you you said earlier that you don't think comics would be around if it weren't for uh, the big two or the movies or, or whatever it was you said. And I was like, my man, <laughs> this this weekend I went to Paris and there's a whole street of comic book shops that are absolutely full of compl- all of them, wildly different material. Okay. And, and granted, that's, you know, it is a different conversation because this is the market. Right. Yeah, we're talking about specifically, you know, the American marketplace because yeah, that's what we're familiar with. Yeah, but uh, I, I was just trying to say that I, 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 although I think that comics are very, very, very unique and special, and I'm, I'm proud to be a fan and proud to read them. I think that there are some things that they can take away from the overwhelming success. Of the movies, especially the Marvel movies, um, that can benefit them. And I think Pete uh, said it really, really well at the top of this conversation. Um, and the biggest takeaway for me is the stakes, you know, making things yep. matter. Um, you know what's odd? There's a reason that Invincible is my favorite superhero book. You know what's odd, though? I, I think of, like, what's arguably the most popular shonen manga ever which is dragon ball which is something that notoriously didn't have stakes because of the dragon balls themselves like if a character died they'd be back uh you know uh a a couple dozen issues later or episodes later but it never took away from the vast popularity of this 30 year enduring like franchise Oh, it didn't take away from the popularity of Marvel and DC books either. I mean, like, all of us have read them for most of our adult lives, you know, um, and childhoods as well in some cases. So, uh, obviously, like, I think we can lob that criticism while still, like, acknowledging that, like, I, you know, I still like superheroes, you know. Um, I think that those things do, like, it, it, it trivializes it, though, to some degree, right? Because, like, I think yeah. death in Dragon Ball doesn't matter in the same way that it does in anything else, anything where there are stakes, where when a character dies, that's it. They're dead. You're never going to see them again. The people that love them have to mourn them. And like the world moves on, I'd also, you know? And like, I'd also like to point out that um, Dragon Ball has a built in way. They don't have to, they don't have to jump through hoops to bring characters back. It's established yeah. that the Dragon Balls exist, and that's what they can do. Whereas, and that makes sense in-universe totally. Exactly. Whereas in comics, every single time they bring someone back, there's a new weird way they somehow didn't die or can be resurrected even though they're straight-up human. And that get it gets frustrating. I mean, and also, like, yeah. how many comics come out every single week? And when you're encountering death in comics, every single year there are a couple few deaths – and then two to three years later, all of those characters are back in a in a weirder and weirder and weirder way. I would also argue Dragon Ball and, and its sequels, for the most part, as far as I know, are written by one person. Uh, for the most part. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's really interesting. And I think it's a conversation that I'd like to see more people have and, and get involved with. You know, what is it? What is it that comics need to do in order to attract more people and also, uh, you know, keep their fans happy? And I'm not talking about uh, the outreach type stuff. I'm strictly talking about the creative stuff that we see on the page because I think they get so much right. And so I want to open it up to you guys, you know, you guys that are listening. What do you think comic books need to do? Have you ever stopped reading books? Why was it? What brought you back? And what do you think it is that will keep you reading? Um, lots of questions. Hopefully we get lots of answers. You can write to us at gmail.com with your thoughts on that or anything else that we talked about here on this episode of the podcast. Uh, we are available at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, and we would love to talk to you. Of course we would. Um, leave us a like on your platform of choice, a rating, comment, whatever. Let us know what you think about what we're doing over here this way. And uh, we've got some book clubs for you guys. As, as mentioned uh, earlier, we plugged it. The Dark Phoenix Saga Book Club is dropping this Friday ahead of the Dark Phoenix movie that we will be uh, reviewing here on the show. Uh, so check that out. Definitely, they go hand in hand. You're going to want to read the book to see the movie. And you're going to want to hear our thoughts about it because we have the definitive thoughts about it. Uh, we've also we've also got several other book clubs. Like we've got the Hellboy Book Club. We've got Infinity Book Club. What else do we have? We've done so many of these things. Uh, hmm. Both Captain Marvels. Both Captain Marvels. Hellboy. Tons. Tons. Go check them out. They're they're all available. Wherever you listen to us, you can also find our book clubs. So head over there and uh, give those a listen. And like I said, the Long Box Meetup to Watch Dark Phoenix is Wednesday, June 5th. You can find out more information about that over on their social media pages at the Long Box Podcast. Let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of The Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come talk to me about your thoughts on this whole comic book conversation. Um, I'm interested in hearing from you. And if you want to check out some more of my work, you can go uh, visit my stuff over at LootPots.com where I host a weekly Nintendo podcast and uh, write the odd article. And since you got Marco uh, locked up, you should probably do his plugs too. Sure. So you can follow, um, you know, Mr. Marco at Mr. Marco Animoto on Twitter and Instagram, um, and you can get updates from the other side of the wall. You gotta let them out. I didn't put them on the other side. Sean built the walls. <laughs> we talked about this. He's the one who's funneling the money illegally. Collusion. <laughs> Fake news. Uh, Lock Matt Murphy up. Did you get all your stuff out there, Pete? Yeah. All right. Kill. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work uh, on KaleWard.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. While you're there, make sure and check out my uh, other podcast, Gone Global. It's a show I do with my wife where we talk about the the different weird things and the cultures that we were raised in. This week is a food episode. And I interest I uh, introduce her to white gravy. Ugh, that sounds nasty. good shit. Sausage I, gravy, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shit is good, bro. Hell yeah. yeah. It's the best. You would not believe the visceral reaction British people have to this. Yeah, probably correctly. People are gross. Phil? Oh. Um. Make sure you sign my petition that I mentioned at the top of the episode so that you can get the comic spells to read comics again. Um, also, hit loud underscore Pete up for your uh, recipes for good hangover solutions. <laughs> I have such a fucking headache, dude. <laughs> and, Fun times. Like somebody needs him some sawmill. Oh, my God. And as for... Dude, I would love, I would love a country fried steak right now. Oh, baby. And as for me, you can hit me up at Country Fried Steak on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. And if that doesn't work, at Cyborg Bebop. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Sean Soapbox. <laughs> See you next week. Oh, I forgot to plug myself. <laughs> I got you, baby. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at Sean Soapbox. Go talk to me about Dark Phoenix. Bye. And uh, make sure you check out my latest project where I'm in the Canadian wilderness fighting Danny DeVito.